We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blue Wire. Welcome back. It's the Big Blue Banter, New York Giants football podcast. I'm Dan Schneier, joined as always by my co-host Nick Pilato. And one thing I'm a little disappointed with you about, Nick, was not enough soundboard usage last episode. Get oh. that soundboard going. I like it. I think it's funny. And I hope the listeners will too. But we're here tonight to talk about the Giants defense on the All-22 film. And I have to say, Nick, I am so pleasantly surprised with how good the defense looked in that game. Like, this was not an easy offense to defend. I figured, yes, they have offensive line injuries. The Seahawks, two backup offensive tackles, a center who's a disaster. Like, they have issues. But Gino's a good quarterback. Metcalf's a good receiver. And Tyler Lockett's a good receiver. And by the way, what a dump of a draft pick on Jackson <laughs> Smith and Jigba. Like, what are you doing? Like, why are... <laughs> Jackson's been a should have killed the Giants, but he didn't because they don't use him at all. And I'd be so frustrated if I was a Seahawks fan, to be completely honest with you, with his usage through the first four games. Like, why am I drafting JSN if I'm not going to use him the way he needs to be used? But I agree, but I want to say one thing on behalf of the Seahawks. First, I think he's more of a replacement for Tyler Lockett, who is already north of 30. Secondly, he missed almost all a training camp with that wrist injury. Almost surprising that he's really active right now. So that's like the one thing that keeps me saying, if I had him in fantasy, I probably wouldn't cut him, especially with them entering their bye week. But it is difficult because the target share in that offense is so concentrated. Agreed. Agreed. Um, but, you know, Jason aside and his lack of usage in this game, the Giants did a really good job defending the Seahawks throughout this entire game. Even at times in what I describe as garbage time after the pick six, you expect the defense to absolutely fold after a pick six. In my opinion, I expect the defense to. And I wouldn't blame them. It was 21 to three. Their offense completely failed them. They forced a three and out after that pick six, Nick. That showed a lot of fight. That showed a lot of everything. And you know what? They had one bad play this game, basically. That big touchdown or whatever, that long run to Noah fan to the two. And yes, Bobby O'Karrake had a really bad play there. And I see people in my comments. I put it up on Twitter. Oh, my God. Bobby O'Karrake is such a bust. But if you watch the rest of the game tape, Bobby O'Karrake probably had his best game outside of that one snap. And that's That's a really good sign as well. Yes, and he was active and aggressive in run support. Giants made good run stops in this game. They were good in pass coverage. Very few plays that they allow in total on defense this entire game, despite the offense continuously putting them on the field throughout this game uh, and punting. And so I was incredibly impressed with the defense, Nick. I have a lot of places I want to go here. I want to talk about Kayvon Thibodeau's game. I want to talk about Aziz Ojolari, and I want to talk about Aziz Ojolari on Kayvon Thibodeau, Dexter Lawrence in this game. I want to talk about DJ Davidson, Bobby Okereke, and I really want to get to 
and Deontay Banks too, by the way. He deserves some credit. And I really want to get to Isaiah Simmons, who was incredibly active, incredible high hustle player in this game, Nick. So where do you want to start in this game? And I see you running some clips right now. Where do you want to start when it comes to the defense? Yeah, these are just Bobby Okereke clips. And I agree. I felt like he had his best game as a New York Giant. And that's not to say that every play was perfect because he did have that missed tackle along the sideline against Noah Fant. And he had a couple other, I think he had one other missed tackle, but he essentially forced the running back into one of his adjacent teammates. So it's not a terrible play. But yes, I love to just see the decisiveness. And if we actually went over some of those plays, like on the first play of the game with, with uh, the tackle for a loss on Kenneth Walker, Dexter Lawrence is holding the guard and not allowing him to climb up to the second level. That's something that right. the Giants do sometimes when they're in that base defense, that tight front, just a low-key savvy play. You don't see it called all that often, but it happens quite frequently in the NFL when that climbing offensive guard in a zone concept is going to, to the second level, and then the big-ass nose tackle just grabs his shirt jersey and just does not allow him to. So I appreciated seeing that. But honestly, man, with all of the negativity that surrounded Kayvon Thibodeau, I'm freaking ecstatic, really, that he had the two sacks and he almost had a pick six that yes. I don't think it's crazy to say if that play happened, the Giants win that football game and the entire outlook of the season is different. And that's just how marvelous and how crazy the NFL is and the football in general, dude, just one play. And it's great that he was in that in the position to knock that pass down, get his hands on it so close to having a pick six in front of the entire nation, just slipped through his fingers, unfortunately. It was a great read by Kayvon Thibodeau, and it was great athleticism and secondary reaction time, reactionary, you know, whatever you would call that, reaction time. I don't know. Just the ability to react like that and make that play on the football. He was so close to tipping that to himself for a pick six, and I agree with you. And first of all, it's a great read, but I agree with you. If he gets this ball, tips to himself, and takes it to the house, it's a 7-7 game. The Giants don't have to go away from the run so fast on offense. Um, I'm not sure if this was, I think this was actually after the tush push. So they still went to that Bellinger in the game, but they would have been able to stick a little bit more to the run, I think. And it would have been an entirely different game. But aside from this play, he had the two sacks and I just felt like overall, he was super active in this game and really looked like someone who benefited from Aziz Ojolari on the field. And it's really good to see because there were some question marks about, you know, where he was at from an effort standpoint, where he was at from a mindset standpoint. And he put kind of, in my mind, erased all those doubts in this game. This is what you expect to see from Kayvon Tubido. Three splash plays. I consider this one of the splash plays because he came very close. He stopped the third down here, first of all, and he put the tip pass. And he came very, very close to changing the game, which he's done in the past, both against Washington and against Baltimore last season. So it's just a just very... A smart play too. Watch, yes. man. He knows that this tackle is cl- like going up to the second level. Like there's some sort of screen pass. So he stops himself, forces Geno Smith to change his arm slot, change his arm angle. And you can see Geno thinking like, oh shit, this guy's in my way. Let me try to throw around him. And then he jumps, times it up perfectly, tips it up in the air. And a lot of occasions, this is a pick six. Like that ball is just right out there for him to see but it just a little bit out of his reach unfortunately but still he's a great athlete so he would have been able to catch that if it was just a little bit closer and probably house that thing we've already seen him you know during that washington game that he basically single-handedly won for the most part the offense didn't score a touchdown that game last year he scoop and scored like he stripped the ball and was able to stay on his feet that's the kind of natural athleticism he has to then pick up the ball and run into the end zone so i think it's going to make a splash play like that at some point whether it's a scoop and score a strip sack scoop and score or a tip pick but i think it's coming as long as aziz can stay healthy and i think he's just this team just looks so different in my opinion with aziz ojalari on the field so i want to get to aziz ojalari next been hated on by a lot of giants fans for the injuries 
He played almost a full season in 2021. 2022 was an injury, or was it 2020? One of those two years. 2022 was an injured season. Obviously, this year was a little injury uh, injured to begin the year as well. Now he's back on the field, made it out fine as far as I'm as far as I've seen. And man, the way this dude just bursts around the edge and bends around the edge, and at times does that dip move where he gets under the tackle, like you see right here if you're watching on YouTube. It's special. Like he was the reason a lot of these pressures worked for the Giants. And a lot of these third downs were blown up for the Seahawks. Yeah, and the Giants end up getting a quarterback hit. Dexter Lawrence does his job, which he did consistently throughout this game. Dexter Lawrence, they tried to double team him when they could, depending on the defensive alignment. When they couldn't, he was putting the guard and the center on ice skates the entire game. But watch Aziz Ojalarman. This is natural. Like I've had people ask me, hey, can Kayvon Thibodeau do this? So Kayvon Thibodeau can win with speed, but he's not nearly as flexible as Gumby, right. also known as Aziz Ojolari. And you can even see, man, how he sets this up. He's going up the arc. He's going up the arc. And then watch how he contacts that inside hand. It just kind of slides it downward, which is going to force the momentum of the tackle forward. As you can see, the momentum of the tackle is already up as he's attempting to kick slide and cut off that angle, that speed rush at the top of the arc from Aziz Ojolari. But this, this part, man, like Aziz Ojolari is just able to dip his hips. His chest is parallel to the deck right now his chest is parallel to the deck and then he's just able to basically just turn on a dime man like the ankle joints in this dude and his ability to basically dip his upper body and just use incredible flexibility throughout his lower half to reduce the surface area of a tackle to strike not a lot of pass rushers have this this is natural to me aziz ojalari, ojalari ideally and i'm not trying to slight him here dan but ideally he could be a, a top situational pass rusher in the league. As a run defender, I don't think he's terrible. But there were times in this game where I found him just getting tossed to the ground. There were a couple plays or two that come to my mind. I don't know if I have them cut up where Stone Forsyth just threw him aside. And that's an issue still. It is. But as a pass rusher, you get him in third and long. This guy, man, he, he could wreak havoc on opposing quarterbacks and he also just allows Kayvon Thibodeau and Dexter Lawrence and Leonard Williams to thrive because when you're winning with speed up the arc it's going to force that quarterback to step up into the pocket where you have Dexter Lawrence right here to hit you yeah and it's going to give the defensive tackle next to him on this play it was uh Dexter Lawrence I'm sorry Leonard Williams but it's going to give that defensive tackle or that interior defensive lineman a much easier matchup because the space that he creates by taking such a wide angle to the quarterback and it gives just that extra two-way go type of obviously Leonard Williams doesn't win this rep but you know, he's going to have opportunities to win that rep in the future because he has his ease next to him. And I think you're right with the situational pass rusher thing. And I think, you know, some people might view that in a negative light, but just look at the difference that um, the kid from USC is making for the Chargers right now uh, to it. What's his name again? I want you, you to say it to a polona. That's why I just tried to judge. Yeah. I tried to do, uh, convince you to say it and pretending I don't remember. <laughs> but I, to it, to a Pelopu, is that what it is? To a Pelotu. To a Pelotu. I like, think you said to there. The difference he's making for the charges right now, and he's essentially, in my mind, what Aziz can be. Like, maybe not at that level since he's looked so good, but I think Aziz has looked that good too when he's healthy as a pass rusher. And that's what you have. You have a shifting, a guy who's going to tilt pass protection and shift pass protection and make things easier for Kayvon, make things easier for Dexter Lawrence. No surprise to me that Kayvon Thibodeau has best game of the season as a pass rusher, the game where Aziz Ojalari played and was able to. And I know Aziz played week one, I get it. But 
Dallas Cowboys took like four true pass sets in that game. They're up 30 to nothing and just ran the hell out of the ball at the end of the game. This was a real game where the Seahawks had to take drop back. And there were a lot of third downs here in this game. And you know what? The Giants got off the field on most of these third downs because this pass rush was getting pressure up front. They were batting balls to the line of scrimmage. DJ Davidson had a ball batted at the line of scrimmage. Kayvon Thibodeau had the one you went over, Nick. And there, and there was one more that I'm that I'm forgetting now. There was another ball that was like bad at the line. Yes, um, someone blitzing in, I think. Yeah, but yes, Seattle, dude, they were three for twelve on third down, wow. and zero for two on fourth down, and nobody's That's talking about defense. that. Defense, yeah, it's great defense. The Giants' defense surrendered ten points in this game. The other, all the other points were put on the offense and their lack of ability to move the football and just dumb decisions by Daniel Jones and the protection. If you want to throw that in there as well, but the Giants possessed the offense possessed the football in this game. Again, this is why this number can be complete and total bullshit. Thirty six minutes to twenty four. The Giants had the football. I mean, pick six is obviously going to right. result in things like that. But the Giants offense had the football often in this game. Seattle had two hundred eighty one yards still with only twenty four minutes. They picked up thirteen first downs. All considered. You can't look at the defense and say that the defense didn't do their job here. Like the defensive players in that locker room, if they're so inclined, they're looking at the offense, like carry your freaking weight, dude. Like we're carrying yeah. our weight over here. You guys got to step it up. And I'm hoping that that that's not happening. And then there's enough leadership here with this team, but we're all human, dude. And when you have an offense, that's been this anemic through four games with the expectations that the giants have had, and your quarterback just got paid $40 million. You can't blame them if they feel that way. Yeah, you can't blame them if they feel that way at all. And I, I hope that doesn't take over and impact the season. It's, this is on Brian Dable to keep this team together now at yeah. this point with this rocky start. But you said it best. I mean, they gave up that amount of points. And like you said, when you go th- when you hold the team to 3 of 12 on third downs with Geno Smith, who, by the way, is a very, very good quarterback in the NFL. Uh, yes. Had some somehow, some way, he became a good quarterback. Ben McAdoo saw it, but nobody else did, apparently. But Geno Smith, Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf on the field. Like, I don't care about the injuries on the O-line. That's a good offensive shutdown. Ken Walker came to this game putting up big numbers. He was having a breakout year in his second year. And the Giants, in my opinion, for the most part, bottled up Ken Walker almost this entire game with the exception of a few plays. It's just really those third downs, though, that stood out to me, Nick, because that's the money down. That's when we wanted to see this pass rush come alive. That's when we wanted to see the advantages defensive line was supposed to give the Giants actually show up on tape. And it did with Dexter Lawrence. And it did with Kayvon Thibodeau. And it did with Zizo Jolari. And it did with DJ Davidson. And at times, Leonard Williams. I, I felt like Leonard Williams could have had a potentially better game considering the matchup was easy for him. I just think at this point, Leonard Williams kind of is what he is. Though he had a pretty solid game last week. So that it was a little bit better there. But um you know, those players on the front, they made the difference in this game. They're the reason why the Giants had such a good defensive performance. And of course, like you said, it's no one's talking about it today because the Giants lost this game in such a bad fashion, but they deserve credit. And I'm happy that we're here to break down the film. They're happy that, you know, those who watch them can see it because people today, Nick, were like getting so crazy on Twitter. They're like, where was Dexter Lawrence? Like that, you know, you know, you can spot the people who don't actually know what they're talking about or aren't taking the time to review this film or anything when they start to say questions like that. Cause like all you have to do is watch this film and you don't even have to know anything about about like X's and O's or anything. You could just watch 97 every play and you could be like, oh yeah, that was a stupid take. He was all over the place and pushing the, just shoving the guard back half the time right into the quarterback's lap. And I want to talk about some personnel changes. And yeah. I think we're going to see a lot of this with just the Giants being this inept at this point of the season. On the offensive side of the football, we saw more snaps for Jalen Hyatt and Wandale Robinson and less snaps for 
Isaiah Hodgins and Paris Campbell. Here, we saw Cordell Flott. Cordell Flott played 30 snaps. He was the slot cornerback for the New York Giants. We saw DJ Davidson. We thought he was going to be injured after that elbow injury that he suffered. He went out there, played 19 snaps, the same amount of snaps as Sean Robinson. Boogie Basham only played seven snaps. And then we saw a three-safety look that the Giants employed with Pinnock, McKinney, and it was Dane Belton was that other safety. Remember, Bobby McCain was, who was a special teams contributor for this team. Bobby McCain was a healthy scratch for this game. We only got eight snaps out of Dane Belton, but a lot of those were in the big dime personnel, which is not a surprise at all for this Wink Martindale team. And then the one that's really interesting to me, and we're going to talk a lot about this player, is Isaiah Simmons. Look, yeah. he only played 18 snaps, and they were all on second and six plus or third and six plus. He's not out there on second and five or third and four. He's out there in the speed package. Guy was flying around the field, and we saw him drop to the middle of the field closed look last week. We talked about that on the podcast. This week, he was sugaring the A-gap, meaning he was in the A-gap before the snap, commanding the respect of the protection from the Seattle Seahawks, and then he bailed, but it wasn't necessarily to a middle-of-the-field closed look, although the Giants did that a few times in this game. But there were times where the Giants were hyper-focused on Tyler Lockett after Lockett burned them a couple times and DK Metcalf, and they were Isaiah Simmons from the middle of the field and dropping him basically to an inside leverage off of that wide receiver while walling them off, not allowing them inside. There was the one play to Tyler Lockett that I think ended up getting completed, which was wildly frustrating because Lockett is really smart as a wide receiver. You can just watch him find space. And I know that's kind of um something a lot of people talk about when you watch film. I know you break down a ton of film for CBS, dude. Some wide receivers, I think they are gifted freedom within the construct of their offense yes. to run routes based on the leverage of the defenders. Lockett knew where the Giants were going to be, knew where the help was, and always found that soft spot. It's not like he killed the Giants in terms of statistics, but holy crap, is that guy one of the smartest wide receivers in the league? completely agree with you on that take and you could see i mean lockett's always been like that when i watched this tape coming out of college i was so freaking impressed with that and i was like damn they let this guy fall to that what was it third round i think I so because he ran a bad 40 time i think and he was small quote like he was quote unquote small at the time and if i was really hyper focused on not drafting small receivers i remember um but you could just tell like those savvy route runners, they always work. It seems like they just always work. Like route running is everything. I feel like in the NFL and the people who understand leverage and zone and coverages are just going to win. Like that's Edelman. That's how he won. Like that's how these smart players win. And yet, even with that said, I don't feel like he killed the Giants. And that's a really good sign in this game because they tried to get him going. They tried to get Metcalf going, who had the touchdown, which weird play. What do you think? What did you make of that touchdown uh, with Banks and coverage? Like it was just kind of an odd play. Like, first of all, Kayvon came inches away from sacking Geno Smith. The pressure yeah. was great on that play, but what about the coverage? Like back to the quarterback and, and kind of unaware. I think it was just a really smart play by DK Metcalf to present okay. his hands so late. Deontay Banks thought the play was over and that the play right, was not right. going to his side. He had no idea because he was just focused on, okay, the sideline's back there. I got to just stay in front of DK Metcalf. I'm watching Metcalf's eyes. Right. right. I'm going to watch Metcalf's eyes. And Metcalf just played it cool until that last second where he presented his hands, gave a little subtle push off. Just right. a little one, nothing. He didn't really extend his hand too much, but just a little subtle push off. And then Deontay Banks wasn't in position, but he's using the sideline. Deontay Banks, I don't like you're always going to fault the guy for giving up a touchdown. I think you should. But he's using that sideline to his advantage. From right. his perspective, he's like, this guy is a huge, gigantic wide receiver. I don't want him breaking back to the middle of the field. I don't even know where Geno Smith is at this point. 
Deontay Banks may have thought he was still in the pocket at that point of the play. So let me just squeeze him to the sideline and not allow him to have a lot of space to operate. And that's exactly what happened. But Geno Smith threw a dart, bro, an absolute laser to the outside shoulder. And Metcalf did a really good job disguising what his intentions were, which was to catch the damn football here. I'm going to run. I had these plays up for a little while. These are just pulling plays by Seattle. I want everybody on the YouTube to just watch. This is how the Giants are playing GH counter, GT counter, and the and these pulling type of plays. This is something the Giants have struggled with for years. We talk about it a lot on this podcast. But the Giants are sending the play side linebacker directly into the hole off their run keys every single time. So I'm just going to play like the six plays here, and we'll talk over it. We don't have to evaluate the plays, but just wanted to give a brief summary of why I'm doing this. Yeah, it's a good. It's a good. We talked about this before the podcast. It's really important to go over because. The Giants have adjusted to trying to stop GH counter and the thing that's been killing them since last season. And, you know, their early results are pretty good. I know this team isn't as good at running counter. The Seahawks, obviously, it's going to be a problem next week, in my opinion, against Mike McDaniel. I'm so not looking forward to seeing Mike McDaniel's game plan against this defense. But, you know, for for now, there's been improvement there. And I want to talk a little bit uh, more about two of the players you just brought up while we run these plays. Start with Deontay Banks. Outside of that touchdown of DK Metcalf, I felt like he had a pretty damn good game in coverage. The one play on third down where he kind of had the coverage locked down and DK Metcalf stepped out of bounds. He was right with him step for step. And I feel like just focusing on him for as much as I could while watching the tape, he's just in phase a lot. And even when he's not, he does a good job of recovering, in my opinion. He's an aggressive corner. He's at times a little handsy, but I feel like his style for a rookie playing in his fourth game in the NFL it's good tape. It's better than I expected it to be. I was more worried about him than some of the other players on the Giants who aren't performing well this year. Yeah, I mean, like Trey Hawkins, right? How many snaps did Trey Hawkins see out there? Yeah, the that trick role question. Is, he didn't yeah. play in this game. That role on, is on defense. Yep, and that role is probably going to change throughout the season. Like, right? Like they have Flot in now, and Flot's the slot, which means Dory gets to move back to the outside. And I'll say this: with Flot healthy, Nick. I probably think the Giants are in a better position with Flot out there over Trey Hawkins because Trey Hawkins had issues breaking down into like Trey, Trey Hawkins in the yeah, go ahead. No, no, I'm just playing a play right here. This is just that open field tackle and how important it was by Cordell Flot. Something the Giants have struggled with this season. And yes. I love seeing this from Flot because Flot struggled with this a lot throughout his right. career. Watch how he stays square here. He's coming from depth because the Giants blitz Jason Pinnock. Jason Pinnock was kind of acting like he could maybe shade over there. And then right before the snap, which is what you're seeing here on the YouTube, goes right behind Aziz Ojolari and he comes on the blitz. And Gino gets the football off. And now it's JSN, Jackson Smith, and Jigba in space against Cordell Flot. Flot breaks down. Forces him outside, commits outside, dives at the legs, makes the tackle. It's just a sound play by Cordell Flott, and I'm, I'm happy to see that because he struggled with open field tackling throughout his career. I also think some of this was matchup dependent, Dan. I don't right. think the Giants wanted Trey Hawkins, the third out there, to guard Tyler Lockett. I think, point. I think they might have been like, okay, you can guard DK Metcalf. You guys are both bigger. But they looked at JSN and they said, let's give Cordell Flott a shot. We haven't really given him too much reps so far on defense this season at all. So let's get him out there and put Deontay Banks on DK Metcalf. Because Deontay Banks saw a lot of DK Metcalf. And I know Metcalf got his. But honestly, I don't come away from this like, man, Deontay Banks sucks. I know it's difficult to look across the field and see what Devon Witherspoon did. But right. Deontay Banks might be able to do that against the Giants offense if we're going to be yeah. realistic about the situation. Exactly. Right? Like that... <laughs> Devin Witherspoon had, what, two sacks in this game. One was just a free blitz where Daniel Jones really effed that one up. We went over that on the last podcast. And the pick six where he just drove on a quarterback staring down a receiver. Like that, Deontay Banks could have been that guy if he was in that. So I don't I don't look at it and juxtapose it or compare it. But I will say this, like 
for a rookie, I'm very impressed. And I, and I think that was a great job breaking down that flop play, the way he squares up there because open field tackling has been a major issue. And that's something that you show the coaches right away and something that, and you know, so far this season, at least one occasion, Trey Hawkins has had trouble with, and you know, now you see the ju you juxtapose that versus what Cordell flop put on tape, probably a good sign that flot's going to get more snaps moving forward. I wanted to put this play up because you brought it up before and I focused on this is the play where DK Metcalf steps out of bounds. First off, I love this release by DK Metcalf. Look at that long leg. I'm going to stick my leg out and try to open your hips. Okay, you're not going to give me a good alley to the inside. We'll release outside and up the field and we're going to do just that. And then watch out Deontay Banks just spins around. He's right on this. He squeezed the DK Metcalf towards the sideline and essentially forced DK Metcalf to step out of bounds. Right. This is a great job by Metcalf to reestablish. Well, he didn't reestablish himself per the NFL rules, but just to get back on the field and then position himself between the football and Deontay Banks. But you can't be mad at Deontay Banks for this. This yeah, ends look, up going incomplete. I believe this is a third down as well. They're another third down that the Giants stopped, and Banks is you know right there in coverage. That's sticky coverage he's with there with his man there's little separation he's in phase the entire time and he's like you said the most impressive part is he squeezes him to the sideline that's the real interesting part there and look at isaiah simmons by the way dropping from from the a gap into depth at that point um just interesting to see how they use him and i want to say one more thing about 19 by the way nick uh we talked about look he only played 18 snaps but he was in for some money downs isaiah simmons number 19 I thought he was just all over the place from an effort standpoint in this game. We're probably tipping off one of our superlatives for later, but specifically the play, the Drew Locke pass to Noah Fant. I watched back that play a few times. Bobby Okereke, his worst play as a giant, if we're being honest. He had a great game, so just one bad play. He has to get him out of bounds there. Adore Jackson misses the tackle by the sideline. 19 comes screaming down, you know, not even involved in the play, away from the play, that's Simmons, and makes the tackle to stop the touchdown. They eventually scored a touchdown anyway. But he saved the touchdown there. And that's the type of play that the, the coaches are going to play back this week. And they're going to all look in the linebacker room or wherever room. And they're going to be like, look at Simmons on this play. Look at the effort he put in. That's what we want everyone to do on every snap. And, you know, I never thought effort was going to be a question for him because that wasn't a question with the, with the Cardinals. But this is just such a look at him. That's a high effort play right there to get the stop in. And I know they he's scored. A, but he He's such a smooth mover as well. And this is. is just really like... You have Noah Fan White. No one accounts for Noah Fan on this play. That's frustrating enough. He chips, he releases. Bobby Okereke sinks to depth. It looked like Bobby Okereke was watching Noah Fant that entire time. Look, his hips orient towards that side. Maybe he's looking to just wall off any routes that are going to come over the right. middle of the field. Either way, somebody has to account for Fant. I don't know exactly who, but nobody does. And then this is this is just bad effort by Bobby Okereke. He'll just I don't, I don't know what you're trying to do. I have and no right. idea what he's trying to Simmons, do. Man, Simmons could easily give up at this at this point, right? He has the angle, and then a Giants defender gets in his way, but instead he just leaps over him and then makes that tackle. You're right. That's excellent effort from Simmons, who honestly was everywhere when he was on the football field. He's the one who ended up hurting Geno Smith, unfortunately, yeah. on that play. But Geno came back and finished the game. And I think this is the type of game that you can look at as coaches when you watch the film back and be like, yep, we're going to get Isaiah Simmons on the field more. And he's already on the field for some of these money downs anyway, but I think his role could increase even more so moving forward. I think so, man, but I just, don't I, I just don't yeah. trust him on run defense. I think right Micah now. McFadden, and Micah McFadden had a solid game. I love how Micah McFadden played through the catch point again on Zach Charbonnet this time and forced an incomplete pass. I think he had a lot of aggressive, instinctive plays in the box. I also see him guessing sometimes specifically off of play action. There was one play where Geno Smith clearly handed the football off and you see Micah McFadden go down to the line of scrimmage and then drop back to depth. Like it's a pass and it 
wasn't a pass and there was no routes behind him. It was just him, I guess, thinking too much and him just being fooled by the play action that Seattle ran the entire game. Seattle ran a lot of play action. They ran a lot of bootlegs. Get Geno Smith, even after he was injured, on the roll a little bit and find backside crossing routes across a man coverage heavy defense. And that's kind of how Pete Carroll and Shane Waldron attacked the New York Giants. But Mike McFadden, again, like, I think he was fine. I think he had a fine game. There are still some things that he can clean up. I think he caught, well, he did cause one hold against Colby Parkinson when he yep. shot the gap. I think he probably could have caused two more. There were other, two other plays where he was in position, but then you see an offensive lineman just grab his chest and he kind of looks like, uh, and like threw his arm in the air and fell down. But the Giants linebacking crew over the last two games has been better, which is weird because the San Francisco game was a, was kind of an awkward like situation against that team that so far outmatched the New York Giants. But it's a better look than it was against Arizona even. For, for the linebacking crew. And I'm just glad Okereke finally kind of pulled his head out of his rear end. I would agree with that. And I think in a lot of those spots, like, look, we know we've studied this team for a while now. We know they're better at defending a, a, a zone-heavy team. And yes, like, there were some GH counter that you put up there. But for the most part, this was still a zone-based run team, the Seattle. And Giants did a good job of that. But even, you know, considering that, the plays that Bobby Okereke made, the two TFLs, and the plays like you, you mentioned with Micah McFadden, like, what this allowed for was those third downs to happen, like the Kayvon sack, the almost pick six where Kayvon tips it up, the pressure that leads to Geno dumping it down at the feet, the you know the pressure that leads to the three and out right after the pick six the Giants threw. Those never happen if they're not in third and seven or third and longer, and they are in third and seven, third and longer because the run defense is improving, and that's what makes all the difference. We're going to start to see this pass rush come alive. We're going to start to see this third down defense come alive, which has been worse than the NFL, or not worse than the NFL, but one of the bottom five, I think, coming into this game. With that being in place, like with the run defense improving the way it has, that leads to those big spots on third and long where the Giants defense is real or in this game, at least really did a good job. Now, you know, some people are saying, Nick, like, I don't want to make I don't want you to make too much of this. They did face a Seattle offensive line with two backup offensive tackles, bad situation at center and probably the not probably easily the worst offensive line they faced this year because somehow Arizona is a good O line. I don't <laughs> know how, but they're somehow a good O line by not adding. They didn't draft anyone. They drafted one guy, but they didn't draft anyone really. And somehow they're a good O line. I, I look at that our lead depth chart. And I'm just stunned at how they've been able to do it. The Giants can't do it with guys that they draft in like the second and third rounds. But all of a sudden, <laughs> the Cardinals are just fielding UDFAs across the interior offensive line <laughs> besides Will Hernandez. And don't you disparage Froholt. Yeah, Froholt, like, what are we doing? Like, where, can we find our Froholt? Can the Giants find their version of Froholt or whoever the hell is like making these plays for Arizona? But it is what it is. This is a, definitely the worst O-line the Giants face. I get that, but it doesn't really matter to me. Like, you could see, like, Aziz Ojolari's pass rushes, I think, are going to work against most offensive tackles. Not the best ones, of course. Like, the Andrew Thomases of the world are going to have a way to, to, to counter it. But they're not going to face a lot of Andrew Thomases in this in this year. There's not many of them in the NFL. The thing that Aziz needs to do, and it's easier said than done, is just develop more pass rushing moves, mm -hmm. just string moves together. Because right now, his primary pass rushing move is, I'm going to win with speed and bend around the edge. And that works sometimes. But if you can set tackles up throughout the football game by challenging them wide, 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 get them the overset, and then go back inside, which I've seen, which we've seen Aziz do sometimes. I still think he can probably develop more. Or if he can just develop more options for him to use on the first part of the play before you even get to the second, like you don't always have to just go with the club rip and mm -hmm. dip, which he does quite frequently. And this is the same thing goes to for Kayvon. I'm glad Kayvon Thibodeau had these two sacks in this game. It's important for him. Both of them came against Jack Curran, 
Got to take that into account. Both of them were the same move. It was he set up Kern throughout the right. game, running wide and trying to win. With Kern did a good job cutting off that angle. And then once Kern overset, gave on Thibodeau, he's a smart guy. He said, okay, I'm going to use a double swipe and then go inside. And that's exactly what he did. Just both of those sacks came on. I'm just going to use both my hands, keep my chest clear, shoot inside the B gap. We're in a one-on-one situation and I'm going to go right into the pocket. And those were good moves by Kayvon Thibodeau. I still think, and I believe you are on the same page with me here, Thibodeau still has a little bit of a ways to go in terms of refining his pass rush plan and adding more weapons, more options to his arsenal. Once he does that though, Dan, with his power and his explosiveness too, right. it's going to be the Kayvon Thibodeau that the Giants thought they were getting when they selected him at five overall. Hopefully this is just a start. Hopefully this is just the bud of the flower and this flower is going to grow in his second season. If the defense can step it up and mask how shitty the offense is being, that is that is a huge leap in the right direction. Especially, yeah, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, just because after week two, even though the Giants came back, we were like, the defense is, that's two weeks ago, Dan. They were just horrible, right? At least they're stabilizing a little bit. If there's any kind of saving grace to this embarrassing loss on primetime, the third loss on primetime of this season, it's that the defense stepped up and grew a pair. I agree, because that could change the whole season, because you bring back Saquon, you bring back Andrew Thomas, and now the Giants get back to doing a lot of what they did last year, which is grind out wins with a, if the defense steps up and is as good as they were last year on third down and in the red zone, which I think they can be again. Honestly, I think it can be better if these guys can stay healthy. Like Kayvon, for example, like, you know, I saw something today, like it's time to call out Joe Shane or whatnot. Um, he's had two busts with his first two picks. It's like, I am starting to feel like Evan Neal has a has, has a, a decent bust potential. Like there's a, this chance is like probably getting near 50%. I'm still at like five to ten percent with Gavon Thibodeau or lower, and people are like ready to call him a bust. I'm like, eh, I don't know. Like he's in the second year, he was injured for first four games of his first year. He still hasn't really put together his whole pass rushing arsenal. Like it's only going to get better with more time to work on his craft. And he's still an incredible athlete out there, and has games like this one where he made an impact. He had two sacks, and he had almost a tip pick interception. Like that doesn't. Ha- Evan Neal has never had a game like that so far in his Giants career with like three impact plays or three amazing pass blocks or run blocks. So like, there's a very big difference right now between Kayvon Thibodeau and Evan Neal. So I don't like when people are grouping them together as like two Joe Shane busts. You want to call? You want to start to consider Evan Neal as a bust? I'm okay with that. I'm fine with that because things are not looking good there. But Kayvon Thibodeau just doesn't belong in that conversation to me. Yeah, we're on the same exact page with that. And honestly, I want to I want to insert a clip. I want to know if you're going to pick up on this. This is a drop I'm about to play, and it's what I think of when I hear individuals say Kayvon Thibodeau is a bust this prematurely. Ready? <laughs> Buck? Do you know what that's from? No. That's the weird, strange Kawhi Leonard laugh where he finally showed emotion for the first time in a press conference and quickly realized it and shut that shit down so fast. Uh, that, I remember that weird Kawhi Leonard laugh. It's crazy. I forgot about that thing. That is funny. I mean, look, I, I'm happy. I'm like I said, we're in the same boat with Gavon Dibido. We're not ready to call him a bus, and we're happy with the game he put together. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences 
So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. What's going on, Big Blue Banter listeners? I'm excited for the football season for several reasons. And one of those reasons is Prize Picks, which is North America's largest independently owned daily fantasy sports platform. And it's so simple to use. Instead of battling thousands of other players, including professionals, sharks, and people who are going to exploit you, you pick more than or less than on two to six player stat projections, and you just watch the winnings roll in. It's very simple to play and gives you a little extra skin. I've set my picks in less than 60 seconds. There are so many stats to choose from, and the withdrawals of funds are easy and quick. Dan and I will be adding a segment to our show before every game where we pick our favorite stats, more or less, yards or touchdowns, what have you, and we'll be discussing why from a scheme, matchup, and game theory perspective. I love their promotions and how easy their interface is to operate at prize picks. I may select more on tackles for a loss from Bobby Okereke or Kayvon Thibodeau next game. They also do other sports as well. It's a really cool experience. Please join Dan and I in the fun of prize picks. Go to prizepicks.com slash banter and use code banter for a first deposit match up to $100. Again, go to prizepicks.com slash banter and use code banter for a first deposit match up to $100. You will not regret it. This is Dan Schneier of the Big Blue Banter Podcast. In case you didn't know, the show you're listening to right now is part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Blue Wire was founded in 2018 on the concept that independent podcasts would be more successful if they worked together. And now Blue Wire currently has 300 shows with athletes, celebrities, passionate fans like myself. I found Blue Wire right around the time when I started the Big Blue Banter podcast. When I started Big Blue Banter in 2018, I had an idea for a show, a name for a show, and then I had to figure out how to monetize that show and grow that show. That's when I found Blue Wire. Kevin Jones put everything on the line for this company and then found us and this show a way to monetize the content with strategy sessions, provided us new segments, connect us with podcasters, and even gave us an opportunity to record in the Win Vegas studio. Blue Wire has now raised over $10 million privately to grow and operate the business, and they're raising another round right now on WeFunder to expand the sales team and improve the operations. WeFunder is a crowdfunding service that connects startups with investors. It gives everyone an opportunity to be a part of the growing startup. This is not a donation. You're investing to own a piece of Blue Wire. If you would like to be a part of the Blue Wire investment round, 
or you want to find out more information, go to wefunder.com slash bluewire. And remember, supporting BlueWire is another way to support our show and this podcast. Make Little Caesars, the official pizza sponsor of the NFL, part of your game day. There are few things better in the world than kicking back, watching some football, and biting into some delicious Little Caesars pizza. Order online during our Pizza Pizza pregame, one hour before and three hours after NFL kickoffs, plus all day on Sunday. And get ready for some football and fun. Choose your favorite Little Caesars pizza or pick the toppings you crave. Old world pepperoni, pepperoni, extra cheese, Italian sausage, olives, onions, pineapple if you're into that. Put it on half the pie, the entire pie. There are so many other options that I don't have time to name. Slap that on a round crust, a thin crust, a stuffed crust, a Detroit-style deep dish. Either way, you win. And speaking of winning... Everyone scores with convenient delivery or our in-store pizza portal pickup. So grab some friends and enjoy a few slices. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Places during the game. I enjoy sports. I enjoy comedy shows. I enjoy live events. And whenever I need tickets, I use the GameTime app because it is the best, least stressful way to acquire tickets to any live events in your area. I was in Las Vegas a couple months ago, Stanley Cup Final, Game 1. I'm not even a Vegas Golden Knights fan. Didn't matter. I got tickets at a good price and experienced my first Stanley Cup Final. Thanks to Game Time. It's the number one spot for last-minute tickets, flash deals for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, theater, comedy, whatever you can think of. And the game time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and rows for less, game time will credit you 110% of the difference. It's the fastest growing ticket app in the country for a reason. Snag the tickets without the stress with game time. Download the game time app, create an account, and use code BANTER for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, Create an account and redeem code BANTER for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Uh, oh, yeah. I wanted to transition to one thing, though, Nick. Yeah. So, say the Giants lose these next two games. We don't want that to happen. We're hoping they can pull off an upset. But if they do, they go to one and five. They might start to consider being a selling team at the trade deadline. And there's one player that I'm really interested to get your take on as far as long-term future with this team, it's Xavier McKinney. Mm. I Look, it's not that I think Xavier McKinney is like bad on tape, but I don't know what he's doing right now to impact the football game for the Giants. Like, I don't see it. And I don't, maybe it's how they're using him. Maybe it's just the system. Maybe it's because we really didn't get challenged downfield at all in the passing game in this game. But 
I'm not as sold about him being a long-term fixture here with the Giants. And I believe Xavier McKinney was drafted 2020. So this is 2020, 23. This is his contract season with the Giants. So I'm very intrigued to get your thoughts on McKinney right now. Why we're not seeing splash plays. Why we're not seeing a big impact on the film really or in the box score. And what your thoughts are potentially on his future with the Giants. Well, I think the Giants should be sellers at the trade deadline for players that they're not looking to keep long term. And that includes a lot of big, big name New York Giants, man, like franchise rattling type of trades. Xavier McKinney doesn't necessarily fall into that, but it would still be a huge move and a great get. I think Xavier McKinney is a very good football player. I think the way he's being used in this system, he had a specific designed role in Patrick Graham. He played a lot in coverage. He played a lot of robber. He was using his eyes. He was using yeah. his intelligence to drive on routes, reading route concepts, and then sinking underneath them or coming away with PBUs. Used in man coverage sparingly. That system didn't use man coverage nearly as much as Wink Martindale. Now he's being used in man coverage. He's being used around the line of scrimmage because Wink Martindale loves to crowd the line of scrimmage. I love that about Wink. I just don't know if Xavier McKinney if, if that's his best usage. And I'm not going to blame Wink Martindale necessarily for that. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I should. But that's just Wink Martindale's system. And I think Xavier McKinney executes that system well. I think he he plays fine. He's fine. He's just not making those game-changing plays. And honestly, pressure breaks pipes. Turnovers aren't really a thing in this system. We have a pretty big sample size right now. Forced fumbles, that's great. Interceptions, what do we have, six in a, in a whole season plus a playoff game and and a four games into the next season. We have six interceptions. Are the Giants That's, the only team in the NFL without a turnover right now? Or is anyone else in that company? Has to be just the Giants. I'd I imagine. think it's just the Giants. It's insane. There are some bad there are some bad defenses, but a lot of those bad defenses got to play really crappy offenses too. Right. Giants haven't really played a crappy offense. We thought the Cardinals were, and then out of nowhere, Josh Dobbs like, yeah, I'm a pretty good football player. <laughs> quit, quit shitting on my name. But... Yeah, I think that's probably what it is with Xavier McKinney. It's the usage. It's, I mean, he's the captain of that defense. I was going to say he's the heart and soul, but I don't know if I, I don't believe that. I mean, that would be Dexter Lawrence, but he's that back end captain, the green dot wearer along with Bobby O'Karake. I just think um, the way Wink Martindale is using him, he doesn't have a, enough opportunities to do what he did well in yes. 2021, which was come away with interceptions. He had five that year. I think back to some of the early film we evaluated of Xavier McKinney. And one moment that always stands out to me was a Dallas game against Dak Prescott. I forget which game it was. I don't fully remember it. And it was the angle he took. You know the play I'm talking about? The angle he took on the football from the from the deep. I think he was in a deep half or he might have been middle of the field close. I'm not sure. He drove on a pass. It was like an in-breaker or like a dig route type of pass from an angle that made no sense. And he picked the perfect yeah, angle. And almost and came like this close to pick sixing it. It was this close. And it was an angle that... Only the best instinctual safeties understand. And that's really something you just brought up that I really feel strongly about. I don't love that he's not able to play anymore in that position where he can use his eyes and use his instincts and un and his leverage and his understanding the angle. I know he can do a lot of things. He can play around the box. He can play in man coverage. He did all those things at Bama too. But what he's best at is using his eyes and using his instincts and using his understanding of angles and driving on the football from depth and making plays on the ball. And like you said, sometimes in a robber role, which was really fun to see him as. And you just don't get to see that a lot in the system. And maybe that's something that could change. And Wink Martindale can look at it in the offseason or something. We're two years into it. I don't think it's going to change in season, maybe at the bye week. But it is a shame. Like, it, it just it is a shame to me because 
I understand that they maybe don't feel like they have anyone else to play the roles that he's currently playing at the level he's playing them at in their mind from a responsibility standpoint. Like we may not see it as much in the box score or the tape, but in their mind, they're like, oh, look at Xavier. He did this responsibility textbook, 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 textbook. And they're like, eh, if we threw Pinnock there or McCain there or whatever, maybe we'd have some mess ups. Maybe we've had some mental errors, but like that's all good and well. But when you don't use him at depth like that, you're taking away his best skill set. And it sucks because this is a Giants defense that could benefit from having turnovers and interceptions and pick six. <laughs> Right, like yeah, dude. team that can benefit this, not just defense, the way the offense is playing a team that could benefit from the defense, putting up some points for the offense, but your best chance to do that is Avery McKinney. Your best chance to do that is using him at depth and the giants are not really doing that that much. And it's just tough to see. And I, I, I again, I'm not blaming Wick Martindale. He's a coach. <laughs> He's getting paid to do this. We're sitting here on the sidelines and we don't really as much as he does. But sometimes I wonder if, you know, there are some situations where, he could be used in a better way. And even that means like sacrificing whatever role and responsibility he's doing well and putting a risky player there. Maybe that's worth it to get him in the deep half patrolling, playing robber positions and just breaking on the football from depth. Yeah. I want to see him in the post. Cause that's what Jason Pinnock has yep. been doing. And Jason Pinnock has a lot of range and he's a long explosive athlete. Like he's underwhelming so far Same. just because some of some things in run fits. It's like, you're better than this. I, I don't think you're playing up to your capability right now, but with Xavier McKinney, they just like having him down there. In the box, they like using him in man coverage on these tight ends, and he could do it. Like we said, this system, when they're in middle of the field closed and they have that post safety deep in the middle of the field, they play from such insane depth. Yes. And Crazy the Giants depth. love to bring pressure. You haven't seen a lot of deep shots one-on-one -on -one up the sideline. Right. The Giants defense, what they've struggled with is over the middle of the field. Yep. Is on these horizontal crossing routes. So I would love to have some situation where you have Xavier McKinney kind of just baiting and sitting there yes. and waiting you on know, routes. Right. I would like to see that in certain situations, but I do think the Giants would have to get creative. And I think they could get creative because they have players that they trust in this system. But back to your original point about Xavier McKinney, do I think he's going to be back? I'm not certain, man. Like he has to really step up his play. And I think back to Wink Martindale and this. This is just an exercise, I guess. This isn't seal it in gold, seal it in stone type of shit. But Wink Martindale didn't, correct me if I'm wrong, have like a star safety with the Baltimore Ravens. I'm pretty sure they just had, yeah. they had Brandon Stevens, who they drafted out of like SMU, who was Gino a quarterback. Stone. They had Geno Stone, who they got in like the seventh round out of Iowa. They had a lot of those players. And then once Martindale left, they drafted Kyle Hamilton. They signed Marcus Williams. And they signed these star-studded safeties from Mike McDonald's defense. So we already saw them let Julian Love leave for money that we thought was reasonable for Julian Love, right? Draft Dane Belton, draft Javarius Owens. I know it's a seventh round pick and a fourth round pick. Maybe the Giants do opt to go in another direction, especially Cheaper if the wheels route. fall off the bus, especially if the wheels fall off the bus, man, That's which interesting. I don't know, man. I love Xavier McKinney. I think he's a good football player, man, but he's not making enough game changing plays and he might be able to garner 10 plus million dollars on the open market. We're not yeah. getting that. Yeah, he might. It's not even that that like, he might just be looking for a situation where he can play the, the post like he can play the role that he is best at. Like that could he be said the situation. He, he said too. he wanted this, though, too. When I we know. Got, no, it might have been just, you know, player speak like, oh, yeah. Right. Well, but like he did do this Nick Saban's defense. He was all right. around the all over right. the place. And we liked this idea of him. But I would prefer him making plays on the football because right. no one is making Make plays on the football. On the right. Football. Exactly. Yeah. That's the problem. Like if we had if this would be great if we had someone in the bows who was not Jason Pinnock and who could understand the depth and understand the angles and make plays on the ball. But we're not getting anyone making plays on the ball from the safety position in the D in the middle. And I get it. Like part of it is what you said, like, 
lot of the plays Dave Xavier McKinney made that we remember so fondly with Patrick Graham were like those times where he was at depth and he, and someone tried shots on the sideline and uh, up the side of the field. And that's not happening a lot against this defense. And it is interesting one. I love the point you made about how, like how different the giants play their, their middle of the field close looks for some of these other teams that face the giants. And maybe that's just because it's Daniel Jones effect, but I mean, the Giants play with crazy depth, and some of these teams don't play anywhere near the depth from that from that uh, one high safety. And so it's like interesting to watch, and maybe that plays a role in it too. Why Pinnock hasn't made as many plays on the ball? I'm not exactly sure. Could be, but I just know having Xavier McKinney back there, he's gonna just make savvy plays and 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 trick quarterbacks and drive in the right spots and find the right angles. And to our point, and I didn't know this, I just looked it up. The Giants are second to last in total air yards on completions on the defensive side of the football. They're surrendering just quick little shit. Right. And those quick little shit completions are resulting in yards after the catch because of George Kittle or Debo Samuel or Noah freaking fan. Iowa Titans are killing. Don would be so happy, dude. They're killing the Giants. But no one's really throwing it deep on this yeah. team. Josh Dobbs was the one quarterback. And again, I think right. it's also a little fluky because the Giants have been blown out in so many right. games. That's another big reason for that statistic. Yes. Context does matter. But if we're just talking about the middle of the field, post safety, making plays on the football, haven't really seen many opportunities for them to make those plays. True. That's fair too. So maybe even if you had McKinney in that role, you went to fit that opportunity, but just something I wanted to discuss. Um, let's, let's turn it over some superlatives before we close well, out here. Nick. I want to, yeah, I, I have some plays I want to run through. Okay. Let's run through some plays then. Yeah. We already went through some of these, but I, I put this together real quick. So we'll go through it. This is just a play action. I love this formation from the Seahawks. You're going to see how they have basically a double sidecar next to Geno Smith with another player in motion, just a in ton motion. of eye candy, a ton of eye candy, right? And the Giants, they don't handle eye candy all that well. So you're going to see in motion just around, fake like you're going to hand off. Now you have Noah Fant in protection. You have Will Disley in protection. So you have almost a max protect with a check down, and then you have two routes. And watch those linebackers, man. Those linebackers, they are just absolutely screwed up by the eye candy here because they all bite down. And then DK Metcalf has an easy in route. I think this is the play you were talking about before. You can see yep. how he has that little, little subtle push off because it's a cover three defense. You have your ass turned to the sidelines. I believe that's Deontay Banks. He's staying on top and outside, meaning he's hoping he has that inside help, but all of that eye candy sucked up the linebackers. And now DK Metcalf is out of his break with this subtle push and just plucks this football out of the air so beautifully. Yeah. And that was one of the only really big passing plays, quote unquote, the Giants gave up. And, and that really was just great design, I think, by Seattle. The one the locket, too, that went for yeah, end yeah. of the family, obviously. The one the locket was in cover zero, though, which the Giants ran saw them out in this game. I don't have the stats in front of me, but I saw a couple couple times when the Giants were just all alone. Look at that zone technique from Adoree Jackson, too. Just going to turn, and I'm just going to restrict the space, restrict the space, stay on top of you, stay on top of you. Solid control right there. That's hard to move when you're side straddling like that. Yeah. He always has done a good job in that regard, uh, Dory. Obviously, people are concerned a little bit with the tackling, but I like having him on the outside as a boundary corner again. Yeah, as do I. And you can see the Giants. I mean, there's so many people in protection. You have offensive linemen who just seem to be popping out of the ground, helping on Sean Robinson and DJ <laughs> Davidson and all of these Giants defensive players. This is one of the plays I was referring to before with Isaiah Simmons, who sugaring the A-gap. This is a second and 10. So Isaiah Simmons will be on the football field in those situations. And you could tell at this point of the game, it's the third quarter. The Giants went into halftime like Tyler Lockett over the middle. No, we're, we're not going to allow this. So 
Isaiah Simmons just drops and he looks to that side of the field. He's not walling off any inside route because if he was, he would stop Jackson Smith and Jigba here. Instead, he is sinking to depth to basically bracket Tyler Lockett. And that's exactly what he does. And still, Tyler Lockett sits in place, realizes what's going on, and just stays at the bottom of the numbers and catches this football. <laughs> yeah, it's a great it's a, job. It's a smart play by Tyler Lockett. Just running a quick curl, nothing too fancy. Giants obviously are dialing in and keying in on this guy, but he's still able to come away with the football against off leverage with an inside defender driving on him in Isaiah Simmons. Yeah, it's a great breakdown of what you said before about Tyler Lockett. Now we're going to have a third and seven. And I just wanted to point out this play because I think Bobby O'Karake does a really good job in coverage. This is a third and seven play, fourth quarter, 1041 left. Pick six, right? Yes. After the pick six, again, look at the top of the screen. Isaiah Simmons, he's not, or is that Xavier McKinney? Yeah, I think that's Xavier McKinney. Who is that? Tyler Lockett at the top of the screen, bracketing Tyler Lockett. A lot of attention being paid to Tyler Lockett. Two guys, Xavier McKinney turning his chest to the sideline, being like, you're not coming over the middle of the field. We've been beat by you on these horizontal yeah. crosses. Not again, son. And Geno Smith starts feeling the pressure here from Dexter Lawrence, and he goes to check down to DJ Dallas. Bobby O'Karrick at Green Dog Blitz. The Green Dog Blitz is when you're in charge of the running back or the tight end, and they stay in protection, and you just say, all right, screw it. I'm going to go on the blitz. DJ Dallas originally was in protection. Bobby O'Karrick goes, and then he realizes it drops off and then gets in the way of the passing lane to force the incomplete pass. Smart play by Bobby O'Karrick, and one that we should acknowledge just because we've been a little bit hard on him through the podcast, rightfully so. Yeah, and not he had this, his best game. Podcast, but historically, yeah. Yeah, for sure. And he had his best game with the Giant outside of that missed tackle against Noah Fant. Yeah, no, geez. Dexter Lawrence, he was doing this all game, just like all putting game. these guys on ice skates. skates just getting yeah. into the pocket. And just pushing guys back every play, it feels like at, at Dexter Lawrence. He's still exactly what he was. Exactly. And this is the Noah Fant play. We already ran through this. You can see the missed tackle. Yeah, we'll speed through it a little bit. Great it was effort. milliseconds away from Azizo Jalari sacking on this play and just getting Yeah, we'll see there. it right here. You see that burst once he rounds the corner. Look, yeah, he uses like, that's a good pass rushing move here. Like this is the stuff we were just talking about. You know, he's going up against Stone Forsyth, who was like a sixth round pick out of Florida a few right. years ago. So you know, context matters. But he's using the long arm to initiate contact. Right? You're not. I'm not going to allow you to get your hands on me, offensive tackle. I'm going to keep you at bay. And then once you go to punch to try and gain my chest, because one arm is longer than two, right? I'm going to violently chop that outside arm. And that's exactly what he does. And what does that do? Force momentum forward. And now I'm going to bring my inside arm that I initially stabbed you with and sink right underneath, rip move, lift your momentum up. Love to see this, man. That is a well-executed pass rushing rep from Aziz Ojolari. Breaks into the pocket, flushes Drew Locke, and still the Giants give up a huge game. Yeah, that was just, you know, obviously bad tackling after, but good to see from Aziz Ojolari. Man, a lot of their offensive yards came on this play, too. Just kind I know. Of crazy. Bad I know. tackling and just a missed assignment there. And then on this play, this is one that uh, this is the open field tackle by Cordell Flott. Just brought that up before. Now I wanted to bring up Micah McFadden. I think he does a really good job initiating contact on Zach Charbonnet to throw him off as he tries to get to the flat. And then he just harasses Charbonnet the entire time. This is just a bad throw from Geno Smith to the inside. Allows yep. Micah McFadden to get his hand on it. But this is the second week in a row. Micah McFadden made a play like this on a running yeah. back. Yeah, in, in pass game. coverage. In pass coverage. I think we already went over this play as well. This is just Aziz Ojolari. Jeez, man. Beautiful. That is treating Stone Force like he's a matador, bro. Just running right underneath him, bro. And now here are the two sacks from Kayvon Thibodeau that we already discussed, but we haven't shown yet. Kayvon Thibodeau, watch. He's going to set to the outside. It's a, really just kind of a, a bad offensive tackle play there. Tries to just quickly set on him. Leans in. Just going to swipe your hands away. Go right to the inside. 
and sack Gino. And also, if you look on the other side of the field, <laughs> Ojalari, geez, he loses his footing here, but Ojalari presents his chest. He's presenting his chest. And then he says, psych, and he just yeah. dips right around. Look at that. Like Stone Force, I think he's contacting his chest here. And instead, he's contacting the small of his back because Ojolari does such a quick and good job dipping and getting underneath. And that contact was enough to at least allow Ojolari or force Ojolari to lose his balance. But he almost keeps his balance. <laughs> Look how freaking low he is to the ground. I know. Just... That's what the play I was talking about, where wow. he gets so low to the ground on this pass rush rep. It was so impressive. There's just not a lot of pass rushers in the NFL who can do this. There's just not. Yeah. He's like, the only it... one on the Giants. Oh, easily. Yeah, easily. And that's not a shot at Kayvon. It's no. not Kayvon's game. It's not his style. And I like how Kayvon celebrated this. This was early in the game. Now here's the second sack. Late in the game, Giants are losing. Similar move, right? Curran just sets, just a, like doesn't even use his length or anything. Just gets chest to chest with his chest over his toes with Kayvon Thibodeau. And Kayvon just goes right inside. Same move. Sacks quarterback. No celebration. Love seeing that. Just have that type of self-awareness. Kayvon seems like a pretty self-aware individual. He definitely does. All right, Nick, let's get to some superlatives before we get out of here. I want to go for your unheralded player of the game in this one. Unheralded player of the game goes to DJ Davidson, the third best interior defensive lineman on the Giants right now, wow. at least in four games. Yeah, I think I, that's, that's somewhat of a shot at Deshaun Robinson, but not really. I think it's more of a props to DJ Davidson for how he's playing. I agree. And Nacho had a couple of really good reps in this game. I felt like Deshaun... I don't think there was a play that really popped for me. He's not. There was one play where Aishon, uh, it was the early, I believe it was the Ken, the first play of the game with Ken. I think that was Aishon Robinson. I have to go back and look. I thought that was his number where he blew up the guard and forced um, Kenneth Walker to take a wider angle to the yes. outside on that run. That was, was that Aishon? Yeah. So that was his best rep for sure. And that was a really good rep because he forced Kenneth Walker to take a wider lane out and that allowed Bobby Okereke to make that tackle. That was almost not a tackle and he almost had it turned into a touchdown run. So I, th I would say that was his best rep and that was a good rep, but you know, outside of that agreed with you. I mean, look, we're not getting what we expected yet out of Ashawn Robinson, but it's still early there. But DJ Davidson, the guy who's winning this award for us this week, had the batted pass was active as hell. Thought just thought in general, he did a really good job up front. Yeah. But no Serbian on the post game from Ashawn. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was it. That was that was upsetting. All right. Highest effort player. I'm sure we're probably gonna have the same guy here. Yeah, we have the same guy for unheralded. We probably have the same guy here. I have Isaiah Simmons easily I, to me, the highest effort player in this game. Yeah, he was everywhere. On he really maximized his 19 snaps and for a seventh round pick. I love what they've gotten so far. And I think based on the trajectory of his career and how they're using him, they're gonna have a decent chance to re-sign him at a cheap price this offseason, which I'm very excited about given his age his talent, his speed, his natural fluidness, his athleticism, his effort, and how I think he can evolve within the system. And the Giants might have both of their coordinators returning too, because we thought they might not if they were going to be successful That's this true. season. That's true. All right, the best play call we just went over for me, yes. quarter four, 1041 left, the third and seven bracket on Tyler Lockett while shading to DK Metcalf with the safety. So you're just basically concentrating on a very concentrated offense, which is DK Metcalf or Tyler Lockett. Pinnock shaded. I don't think I brought it up on the field. He shaded towards DK and then Deontay Banks was in trail technique. So he basically just got to the hip, swiveled around a little bit of a defensive hold, and he had mm -hmm. help to the inside for, uh, with with um, Jason Pinnock up there. So that was my probably my favorite play call, get off the field. 
I also had that one for the reason being that was the one that was right after the pick six, the third down. It was the one third down I felt like was less of a less of a result of a great pass rush and more of a result of the Giants having everything covered. I looked at the all 22 from the sideline angle on that play. There was just nowhere to go with the football for Geno Smith. And I love to watch those kind of play calls on defense where there's just nothing open uh, for the opposing team. It seems like it happens not so often, but it happened on this play. How about your best player overall? Yeah, it's Dexter Lawrence. I think that's four games in a row. It's been Dexter yeah, Lawrence. Yeah, it's going to be tough. Like, I, I was, like, thinking about giving it to Aziz, but then you look at the run plays. I was thinking about giving it to Kayvon, but then you look at Dexter Lawrence. He's just the most dominant player on tape every week. Like, if you're just going by box score, you might come to a different conclusion. But when you just watch this tape, it's impossible to not give it to this guy. That's four in a row for him. He's the best defensive player on the Giants. He's one of those guys that shows up on film a lot more than the box score. Yeah, man, he's an absolute stud. 17 pressures so far this season. Still no sacks. I'm waiting yeah. for a sexy Dexy dance. We need it's gonna happen against Tua. It's gonna happen you, against Tua. You think so? Eh, Tua he's gets a, rid of the football fast, so maybe he not. He gets rid of the football yeah. so fast. But Dexter Lawrence, I could see like Tua is the type of quarterback who he's not the most mobile. I could see Dexter Lawrence blowing past a guard or center and like ragdolling Tua. That's what nope. I was thinking. Yeah, like more one of those types of sacks. Like just tackles him high and like throws yes. him to the ground. And then Tua just kind of pops up and he's like, oh shit. <laughs> Jeez, that guy's strong. One of those type of things. All right. Player we expected to see more from. <laughs> I have Jason Pinnock, man. Jason Pinnock to me, a lot of it is angles in the run game. He had one really bad run fit where his job was to box and be that forced defender, box the the uh, the running back inside but he boxed like five yards and left a huge rushing lane. He didn't keep it narrow at all. Almost to the point where I think he believed that Walker was going to cut it to the outside or something. I'm not really sure, but it, it looked bad on tape, probably worse than, than maybe it actually was. But yeah, now Pinnock, um, I want to see that one handed interception, right? We got to see that. Right. Yeah. Haven't seen it. <laughs> Pinnock was a breakout pick for us. Um, either sleeper or breakout. One or the other one had a sleeper. One had us as uh, one of us had as a breakout. He hasn't really broken out yet, so he was in the mix for me. I gave it to Xavier McKinney, though. Um, I just, I'm ex I, I get it. Like the roles makes it difficult, but I just, I need to see a little bit more from Xavier McKinney. A couple more game changing type plays. All right, pass rushing grade one through ten. I have a six point eight. I think it could be higher, but they only had two sacks and they were going up against a very suspect offensive line. They didn't play terribly, but not that great of an offensive line. I like the pressure. It's definitely a step in the right direction, but I have it at six point eight. I went seven, nine, just I felt like on all the third downs where they needed to get pressure, they did with the exception of the third and seven you brought up where it wasn't terrible pressure. Like Dex got some pressure on that one, but otherwise yeah. it was blocked up at that one. And that was just really well defended by the giants. But otherwise I think they were there. And I just feel like Aziz was awesome in this game. Dex was awesome in this game as a pass rusher and Kayvon had some moments too. So I went with a higher grade. How about run defense? One through 10, 7.2. I felt like the run defense has significantly improved over the last week, <laughs> week yeah. and a half. They had to stretch early in the third quarter where they surrendered a 16-yard yes. rush and then a 15-yard rush. Neither was GH counter or anything. It was just basically an offensive line blocked it up well. But all in all, I've been more impressed with the, the defense's soundness in terms of their run fits, so 7.2. And one thing I liked about that, that bad stretch they had where they gave the two runs, they responded with a TFL right after it. And that sometimes doesn't happen in the past with this run defense. We've seen just constant flow of bang, 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 no TFLs mixed in, no negative plays. And they, they figured it out on that third play. So I went seven, seven. Those were really, you know, there was only like two under a handful of plays. I felt like the giants got beat on run defense. I thought they had a lot of wins in run defense, despite, you know, a lot of bad situations where they had short fields where they, 
are on the field a ton because the offense sucks, like just like stuff like that. So I thought overall it was a really good game, the best of the season from the run defense and the best of the season from the pass rushing. So hopefully a step in the right direction for this Giants defense. I thought there were a lot of positives in this game, Nick. Um, and that's where we're at right now as we head into Miami, a really difficult test against Mike McDaniel and the way he runs that offense. We'll have to see what happens. Thanks so much for tuning into the Big Blue Manager podcast. Keep it locked and loaded. Please like and subscribe anywhere you can find us and have a great rest of your week. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.